0: I call it Cardi. Yeah. Let's do it again. Okay. Do it again. Popsi Cardi. Best one yet. How's it going? Good. Um, how's your uh, quarantine going? Are you reopening your economy? Uh,
1: my personal economy?
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Slowly. Gradually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you opening your um yourself up?
1: Opening myself up to various viruses mm-hmm. in the form of. Mimetic ideas, oh uh, yeah, transmitted through YouTube.
0: Oh, mimetic—that's a good word. Yeah, I don't know what it means.
1: Well, meme.
0: Oh, uh, mimetic. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, we're recording this the day before Memorial Day. Do you wanna? We should have done something memorial-y Yeah, I
1: don't. I don't have a Memorial Day tradition.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean i w- I was thinking about for the topic, we should have done something memorially, but then I realized we're not gonna release this for like a week anyway, so yeah, if we were gonna do a- an episode about like some like m- war movie we would have had to record it like a week ago. yeah, yeah, we're just
1: don't forget time,
0: yeah, like can- I always forget that time exists, yeah, it just keeps going. um what uh what else? Anything else you want to say before we start?
1: I've been getting really into Jung. You.
0: you are always into Jung.
1: Uh yeah, but even more.
0: I want to become a like psychology like Sammy guru like Jung, except for I want to have, like, voodoo influences. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You know, because, like, Jung is kind of mystical a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I want to kind of say, like, oh, the hidden psychology of voodoo.
1: Oh, guaranteed there are Jungians who are into voodoo out there. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Every Jungian is different, and they're all a little freaky.
0: I've... <laughs> Did I ever tell you um, my uh, my shorthand for Jung? No. It's Freud minus sex uh-huh. plus magic.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go.
0: But why not Freud
1: minus sex plus God?
0: Because I'm not even sure if, Freud, if Jung believed
1: in God. He did. Did he? He did. In fact, in a famous uh, interview on television, the interviewer said, um, so I hear that you believe in God, and he said, Correction, I know God exists. Mm, well, He said, how can you say that? And he's like, none of my experiences would make any sense mm-hmm. if there were no
0: God. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, that's that. Okay, so this is Pop Psychology. That's the name of the podcast. And it's a podcast about pop culture and psychology. Mm-hmm. It's got an eye. That's Scott, I am Jared, and we know a little bit about psychology. Yeah. I mean, you're a practitioner of the fine art of psychology. Yeah. The fine art of life fixing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a PhD student in psychology, There, and I read a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, also...
1: We better know something about psychology or else what are we doing with our careers?
0: <laughs> um. And also we are consumers of pop culture. Yeah. Probably more even because of the covid.
1: Yeah, yeah. What
0: have you been watching? Do you want to talk about it?
1: Oh, I watched The Last Dance. Yeah, I don't know about Did that. Did you see that? It's mm-hmm. a it's the new series by ESPN.
0: <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, yeah, but the the
1: 1998 Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, 10 part series. Yeah. MJ uh first of all, he definitely was the best basketball player of all time. Wow. Like it's not even a competition. And uh and his personality is a little darker than I thought, mm. which kind of made him more compelling to me. Mm. He's definitely he really I mean, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but he really, on the court, was kind of like a bull. Mm. If you imagine a bull with like red anger eyes.
0: Yeah, like in a cartoon.
1: Yeah, and he just wanted to just dominate.
0: I love that you don't like sports, but you like sports documentaries. Yeah. Because they take the sports, and then they add a plot to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, they pull out the narrative, the stories. But I
0: feel like sports fans are doing that implicitly all the time.
1: Yeah, but it just takes so dang long. You have to watch Hundreds of hours of right. games to but there's get like the story narratives out. about
0: what's going on in each, in each season and stuff. But but people, you're piecing it together as you go. Oh, this means this because it came after that loss, or became it, it came after that win, or this guy's coming back and he was injured, and so this game means this. Yeah,
1: and you're watching it unfold before your eyes, so it's more exciting in right. that sense than than a documentary where it's already happened.
0: You know, we're probably making people feel bad because all sports are canceled. Yeah. So. Sorry about that, everybody.
1: Yeah. I um, might get into the NBA, though, when it comes back. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like, I've been watching videos of different players and stuff. It's kind of fun. Yeah. MJ is really interesting. Just one more thing about MJ. He um, he very consciously used resentment mm. to up his game. Mm. And hey, so- psychology.
0: Resentment. Oh, yeah. Hey.
1: And uh, he, would, he would make up... Slights Mm. to fuel himself, right? And so there was this one player. Shoot, I forget who it was, but um, after this game where the Bulls lost, um, there was this rumor that the this player on the other team said to uh, MJ uh, in like after the game, like "nice playing MJ," Mm -hmm. in that kind of a tone, you know? Yeah,
0: like in a like he didn't mean it.
1: Yeah. Sarcasm, sarcasm, yeah. And uh, anyway, it got MJ so pissed that mm-hmm. he was like, "I'm gonna make a personal project out of you." And then, like, the next time they played that team, he just like dunks on that guy and just like scores like on that right. guy. You know. He takes it
0: to the paint on that
1: guy. Yeah, and just like dominates. And yeah. he did that so many times. Like, if you if you make him mad, he like. You will feel the pain. Right. Without exception. You right, know. Right. And years later they interviewed him about that. He's like, Oh, I made that up. Yeah, I made that rumor. Really? To give myself fuel. Yeah, he yeah. never said that. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Um, I'm watching uh, my wife and I are watching AP Bio. Oh,
1: yeah. This is
0: NBC. Yeah, yeah. I just kinda like it. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't like anything stand out about it, but it's just it's I like it, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mike O'Brien. Mm-hmm. The showrunner, I think, from uh SNL. Oh yeah. And I love Michael Bryan. Oh yeah.
1: He's great. He's so funny.
0: <gasps> but we're not here to talk about Michael Bryan, Scott. What are we here to talk about?
1: Inside Out.
0: So this is like the this might have been the most obvious film to do mm-hmm, for this. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a film that'd be more obvious. Maybe like maybe Goodwill like, Hunting. Yeah, I was gonna say Goodwill Hunting because you know it has that.
1: It's yeah. about a therapist, and we should do it's good about will, psychology. We should do
0: Goodwill Hunting, but we shouldn't do it about psychology. We should do it about therapeutic practice. Oh, totally. And 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 kind of break down. That's what's one of going my favorite the movies
1: therapy. because not only is Robin Williams' portrayal of a therapist really good.
0: Well, you you should save this for the episode.
1: I'll save it for the episode. <laughs> no, I send it. Stay that sentence. <laughs> not not only is his acting as a therapist really good yeah but i have no idea how ben affleck and matt damon managed to write this character yeah who is the the character is believable as a wise Mm -hmm. like the best kind of therapist right you know
0: right yeah it's true it's interesting they
1: wrote this thing when they were in
0: their early 20s right right yeah yeah so stay tuned for that. Any other? Do you want to do any other teasers?
1: Um. Well, I've been watching Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. stuff, so I don't know. That might come up uh, mm-hmm. later. Um.
0: So here, I'll, I'll do some. I'll do some teasers. So here's a teaser. Yeah. Um. I, I hear some stuff that's brewing. Hannibal Lecter.
1: Ooh. I'm brewing on that.
0: I don't think I'd do a full episode because I don't want to have to. Watch all that stuff again. Uh-huh. I'm I'm kind of squeamish. Uh-huh. I don't know if our viewers know this, but anyway, um, uh, here here's one that I have brewing. Paul, our
1: viewers, we don't have viewers. Our listeners. Yeah.
0: Our Paul of Tarsus.
1: Oh, what's that?
0: Like Paul, like the Apostle Paul.
1: Oh oh, I thought it was like a movie or something. There was
0: a short-lived kind of tradition of like trying to psychoanalyze. Paul. Oh really? And I want to kind of track some of those.
1: Paul things. is definitely in pop culture.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Well, I mean cu- just culture. Yeah, just yeah. culture, yeah. Um uh yeah, that's it. That's that, that's all I want to tease. Yeah, I
1: there are so many you know, things we can do. Yeah. Oh uh Joker.
0: Yeah, I've talked to people and they want us to do joker. Oh yeah, I want to yeah. do Joker. Um <clears throat> Which you haven't seen. I have seen it. Oh yeah, you have. It was really good. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna read uh, our, our our review of the week. We yes. have those now. Oh. Um. So here's the review. It's called "Ta." It says "Top-notch podcast experience." So there oh. You By K. Marie, seventy-two. Jared and Scott managed to be both accessible and educational. Throughout this podcast, all the while maintaining their dry humor, fast-paced, and thoughtful analysis, they watch movies and TV the way any good psychology student does, analyzing the character's pathology, using what they analyze to teach others about various theories and disorders within the human condition. I'm always left feeling like I just... Had a wholesome and enriching conversation with some college friends. Keep up the good work, guys.
1: Oh, that's so nice. That is nice.
0: Thanks, K. Marie. Do you it's know 82. this person IRL? Um, it's a psychology student at the college that I attend. Oh yeah. Yeah, an under- undergrad. Although One of your just, pupils. Although she just got into a c- counseling psych uh, PhD program. Oh. So congratulations. Congratulations. What was her name? Again? Uh, her name is Kylie. Kylie. Camery. Uh, by me talking about how I know this person in real life, it makes the review seem a little less legitimate. Yeah. So maybe Aaron could edit that part out. Yeah.
1: I'm sure he will. Yeah.
0: Um, but the point being, we really appreciate your guys' feedback, and uh, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts apparently is, is a big deal. Oh yeah. I mean it, it enables people to find the show who wouldn't find the show. So we yeah. I'm gonna read these as they come up and we'll read yours and even if you don't like it, maybe we'll read it anyway.
1: Yeah, we yeah. should to yeah. be unbiased.
0: We're we are we're as psychologists, we're scientists, and as scientists we are entirely unbiased. <laughs> unbiased and we don't even have any preferences about anything.
1: That's another example of sarcasm.
0: I don't no, I'm I'm being real. Okay, inside out. Yeah. Um let me I want to start yes by telling uh going through the plot. Yeah. And I want to do it two ways. First from the outside. Oh. Then from the inside.
1: Oh, I like that. Do you like that? Yeah.
0: Um <clears throat> so uh, inside out is about a young lady named Riley,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who had a happy, um, blissful childhood in Minnesota,
1: which is my restaurant name.
0: Yeah, that's so the name. Explain I,
1: that. That's the name I give people at restaurants when they say, "What's your name?"
0: Yeah, and then they ask for it. Yeah. Um, she lives in Minnesota with her mom and dad. She's very happy. She plays on the local hockey team. Yeah, She's happy as a clam. Um, her dad gets a new job and they move to boop boop boop.
1: San Francisco San Francisco and that um, hellish yeah <laughs> place
0: and uh she struggles with the transition to San Francisco and she uh her house is kind of <laughs> rickety and not nice and there's a dead mouse in it. <laughs> and um it turns out her dad is really busy with work and her parents are kind of Snipping at each other a bit more, and things aren't going well. She goes to school and she introduces herself, and it's really hard. And she starts to be feel really sad about, you know, uh, about leaving her home in Minnesota and how she doesn't get to play hockey anymore and all that kind of stuff. Um, she starts to argue with her parents, you know, a, a bit. Um, she tries. Her out-
1: parents want, uh, pre- like, her mom tells her. Um, try to be happy for dad,
0: right? We appreciate that you're being happy, yeah. For dad, yeah. Um, she tries out for the hockey team, and that goes really bad. Um, eventually, she comes to the conclusion that a good solution will be to run home or to run away and go back to Minnesota, and yep. things will be better in Minnesota. Um, and she starts to do that, but then she kind of comes to her senses and she comes home. She she has a emotional reuniting with her parents. She tells them how sad she is about leaving Minnesota, and they bond together. and And then and then she is able to move forward, you know, mm-hmm. in, in her life. And she she kind of builds a new life in San Francisco, right? Yeah, is that a good description? Yeah. The other half of the movie <clears throat> takes place inside of her head, with a, a anthropomorphic Representations of her emotions. Yeah. Um, And there's this memory system where memories are these globes. And she has a set of core memories that kind of um, power her, like the centers of her personality. Um, And I'm trying to remember. Hockey Island. Mm -hmm. Friendship Island. Mm -hmm. um, Honesty Island. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Goofball Island. Family Island. Mm-hmm. I think that's all of them. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and she has kind of a core, essential memory that's associated with each one. You mm-hmm. know, and those are kind of the the pillars of her self identity, like how she thinks of herself. Yeah. Maybe. Like what she what she knows herself to be. Yeah. 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 What she senses herself to be. Yeah. Um and um uh of the emotions that are in her head there is joy sadness. Uh, fear, uh, anger, Mm -hmm. disgust. Mm -hmm. Um, Joy is kind of the ringleader. It seems like she kind of directs the show a little bit more than the other ones. Yeah. Um, And uh, she's, as the move is going on, she, her job as Joy, it seems like becomes a little harder and harder and harder. Right. She's kind of a spin doctor almost for a bit where she's like, this is not bad. This is not bad. Like, uh, uh you know how can we keep things happy you know yeah um and uh sadness uh is um like she seems to have a particularly um adversarial mm. relationship with sadness yeah not that she's mean but she seems like particularly um set on sadness not being able to influence yeah. Riley very much you yeah. know yeah Um, uh, but as the, as the move is already going, taking place and they're at the new place and Riley's starting to struggle a little bit, sadness starts to kind of inexplicably, even to sadness, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you noticed this last time you watched it, Mm -hmm. but like sadness starts to like, kind like starts to wanna like handle the core memories and yeah. want to drive the ship a Sadness bit. Sadness
1: gets restless and starts yeah, that's uh, messing things it. up.
0: Right, right. Yeah. But she even will say stuff like, oh, I don't know what I was doing. Like almost like she goes into a trance and starts doing something, which yeah. is interesting. That's what happened with like the core memories and stuff. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a kerfuffle between mm-hmm. her and Joy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um the core memories Get kind of taken out of where they're supposed to be, and and joy and sadness get sucked into long term memory, mm-hmm. um, and they need to find their way back to the thing in order for, uh, because Riley is kind of, nah, doesn't can't function normally until she has, joy and sadness again, right? Yeah, um, and um, I'm trying to think of what is relevant in their journey back, you know, um. Basically, what's relevant is that joy starts to realize that sadness is um, important. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, ha- has value to offer. Right, right. Be- and, it, and it ends up sadness, what sadness has to offer ends up being the thing that helps them get back. Right. Right?
0: Um. um. They or, get or back. They, they wouldn't. Get, they get back. I mean, sadness remembers the way through the, the long term memory, the maze of long term memory. Yeah, but you know they actually wind up actually getting back to the thing through like this. Back to the headquarters. Back to headquarters through, you know, like uh, like hijinks. You know. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a bizarre, cartoony, um, strapping a rocket to your back type of contraption. Yeah involving a bag that holds things and you know yeah yeah do you remember that part yes there's the fake there's like the imaginary boyfriends and they yeah you know, it's like kind of but i mean it that doesn't matter how they got back doesn't matter the how they it, got they back, back
1: doesn't matter it's it's just an adventure it basically becomes an adventure tale of them trying to get back and they learn a lesson on the way right right so when they get
0: back <laughs> um joy and joy lets sadness take the wheel and mm-hmm. drive for a bit, which allows um, Riley, which allows this encounter with her parents at the end, where Riley is able to say, "I'm so sad. I miss Minnesota," you know, blah blah blah. And they produce a new core memory, yeah, which is uh, joyous and sad at the same time, yeah, which is cool, yeah. You know, this new memory of this profound—I this is my interpretation—profound it's 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 bittersweet because she's allowing herself to really feel the loss yeah you know yeah. of her old life but it's also sweet because she feels very understood and accepted yeah you know yeah. by her family you know? yeah um, and they have this oh man I just I love that last scene because of like the nuance of expression yeah you know yeah. like there's this moment of with where they're hugging and they're crying where Riley just finally goes oh. yeah and she kind of breathes out and, and she has a little kind of sad little sad smile thing going on. It's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's so good. Yeah.
0: So there's the um there there's the there's the plot.
1: Can I add a one little thing? Oh yeah. Um when they get outcast to long-term memory mm. and then it's it's a like an adventure of how to get back. Yeah. It seems like they they mess some things up along the way. That are also reflected in in Riley's
0: mm. yes yeah you yeah. know struggles. So externally. they don't mess some things up, but the fact that the core memories aren't in headquarters yeah they seem to suggest that that makes them it like Riley kind of doesn't know who she is anymore. Maybe yeah yeah um and then <laughs> it's like all that stuff for Riley comes into question yeah you know. She's not, she's not, she doesn't know who she is anymore. Yeah. Hockey Island, she doesn't know herself that she's a hockey player anymore. Yeah. You know, or what it means to be a hockey player out here. Yeah. You know? She doesn't know her family situation is different all of a sudden. Because yeah. dad's working all the time. He doesn't have the time for her that he used to. And she's, and, and, and he's stressed and they, and, and his parents are, her parents are, are snipping at each other. Yeah. Snipping? Yeah. Yeah. Pecking.
1: I think snipping's better than pecking
0: <laughs> uh, ch- biting
1: <laughs> her parents are um spitting at each
0: other yeah um they're getting they're having little tiffs they're getting their hackles they're, sn- they're sniping they're hackling yeah they're grackling yeah like the bird mm-hmm. like the famous species of bird um you know and so what happens is um yeah, like as they're traversing through long-term memory, like the islands of her personality start to collapse. Yeah, yeah. Because she has a blow-up, you know, fight with her dad, and and she steals something from the wallet from her parents' wallets to run away.
1: And that's Honesty Island. That, that's
0: Honesty yeah. Island. She has a. Uh, she gets in a fight with her friend over Skype. Yeah, you know, back yeah. in Minnesota, because she feels jealous because her friend has a new friend. Um, what's the other one? Um, yeah. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it, all of this is because the core memories are out of headquarters. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So let me, um, let me say one thing. Here's the thing that I want to say. Okay. I'm not saying it. (laughs) Um, I think that it's easy to overinterpret this movie. Yes. You know. And so you don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Because it's just a bad idea. Yeah. Because it's not everything means everything. Yeah. Anything. And it's
1: not you want to interpret the movie at the level that the writers intended it to be interpreted. Right. Which is a little deep but not very deep. Right. Yeah.
0: But I think there are aspects of what's going on in the broad structure of the movie that even if it kind of a lot of the actual like descriptions of what's going on within the movie are kind of technical and weird like for example like oh the long uh, memories uh, the core memories have been removed from their memory slots and so now the islands are starting to collapse blah blah blah. like you can a lot of
1: the mechanics
0: right the mechanics is kind of artificial but i think there's something psychologically realistic yeah about like the big picture of like what they're depicting yeah totally um so um, and I for have... that
1: reason, can I say one thing here? Say it. Um, I think this movie is truly breathtakingly brilliant mm. because what a what a task, you know. I mean, it's so ambitious. We're gonna show the inner workings of this girl's mind as she goes through this thing, mm-hmm. and uh, they managed to make it. Insightful, funny, Mm -hmm. touching. Yeah. In a, in, dude, it gave me the feels. In the internal dynamics, you know, touching. I, and then it ends with such, with such a human moment. And so it doesn't end up feeling too theoretical or like, too didactic or something. Right. It ends on such a, a human moment. Right. That feels so true to, right. Who, you know.
0: Right, right To a human right. being. I still can't hear the theme from the film, that little piano. Oh, yeah. Without, like, feeling feels inside of my guts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it is pretty miraculous. Here's another way that it's miraculous. I've heard some people say that, the, like, one critique of the film is that Riley winds up feeling like kind of an automaton. Mm-hmm. Because the people are, you know, she's being controlled from the inside or whatever. Yeah. And I was surprised. Last time I, I watched it kind of with that critique in mind. And I just, I think that's just wrong. I uh-huh. reject that. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's one well, moment. The,
1: the critique is that she's not agentic. Right. Yeah.
0: That she's, yeah, she's some kind of machine that's being run by this committee in her head, you know? Yeah. That um, And I think that's wrong. I think all the emotional beats that are going on on the outside when you're watching her from the outside are understandable. She feels to me like a real person. Yeah. I think the only... There's one moment where it felt kind of like she was an... Where it felt like Ratatouille. You know what I'm talking about? The Uh rat that's controlling the guy's arms with his hair or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like a a puppet. Like she felt like a puppet. Which was like when she's coming back from getting pizza and she's going to slide down the stairs, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But then she decides not to... Yeah. Because I forget. She feels sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sadness touches some memory and she becomes sad or something like that. Yeah. And uh, but then joy steps back in, you know. Yeah. So she like that was the only point where it felt like where she does some inexplicable decision that only yeah. makes sense because we know what's going on inside of. Right. her head With the committee. Right. But the rest of the time, I really just felt like. It was almost like two tracks, mm-hmm. you know the the external logic of the film, the logic of like her as a person, like works, yeah. all of she she works emotionally. She feels like a real character. She feel like a real character to me. Yeah. And then what's going on inside her head, you know, works too, in in, in a different way, yeah, you
1: know? yeah. But it does make me think, and this is, again, this is where you can quickly, very quickly go if you try to think too deeply. It makes me think, in, inside her head, where is Riley?
0: Right. That's, in that's other words, you can't think about
1: We have the ability to, uh, reflect on our emotions mm-hmm. and not just, um, we're not just run by emotions. You know what I'm saying?
0: So let's, I want to table that con- that that comment. Yes. And come back to it. Cause there's, um, uh, maybe we can talk about a couple things like that at, at the end. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um. First, I have, um, I have two, I have like two and a half Hey, things. bud. Sorry. Talking to the mic. Yeah. You guys didn't hear what I just said. I said, I have like two and a half things mm-hmm. to talk about, about kind of what I liked about the film and Riley. Like, so here's my analysis of what's going on. Um, Or here's one way of, of just thinking about what's going on. So this is, there's an idea that, uh, Carl Rogers has. hmm Um, psychotherapist, uh, client-centered therapy, Carl Rogers. Yeah. Which
1: is... The other Mr. Rogers. That's right.
0: He has um, a term called conditions of worth. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that before? No. Yeah. Okay, cool. So conditions of worth is his idea. So Rogers has the idea that what... um, That um, the attitude that enables people... To grow up into healthy and thriving um, human beings Mm -hmm. is unconditional positive regard from their caregivers or loved ones, Yeah, right? That when people feel safe and accepted, like they can be who they are, then they naturally just kind of set themselves right, you know? Or they grow up in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Or if they're unhealthy, if they can be in a relationship like that then they 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 become healthy right so that's his approach to Mm -hmm. therapy is just for you to be in a relationship with a therapist that gives you unconditional positive regard and listens and cares you know yeah um but he rogers would would describe sometimes when we are when a person is growing up or even after they've grown up, they might come into a situation where they feel conditional positive regard. Yeah. Meaning yeah. they feel like the positive regard, the acceptance and love they get from other people is conditional. It is based on setting certain, based on meeting certain conditions, right? Yeah. Um, and um, he would say that it's possible for people to internalize those external judgments mm-hmm. and then start to, um, reject a uh a a portion of their experience yeah because they've internalized that judgment yeah right you know like totally like you know just to use like a classic freudian you know type mm-hmm. of example would be like sexual repression yeah would be that you as a kid you learn from your parents You know, by the time they have the sex talk with you when you're a teenager, you know, they've already shamed you, you know, when you were younger about asking or wanting to know about that. And then basically their sex talk, like, teaches you that, like, it is bad to be sexual at all. Yeah. And if you're experiencing anything like that, then you are bad, you know. So someone like that would still have sexual experiences and, and, um, you know, reactions to things, but would try not to. You know, yeah, they would try and that's just repression, basically. You know, yeah, um, so, um, so Rogers describes the same thing, but he calls it conditions of worth. So, it, it so it winds up being these are the conditions under which I am of worth, yeah, you know, yeah. So, we already kind of talked about this, but Riley has always considered herself to be a happy go lucky type gal, you know. Mm-hmm. She moves to San Francisco. She starts to kind of have a hard time, and her mom kind of pulls her aside, and I don't think her mom's being inappropriate here. I don't think she's like chiding her and like that, but I think she's saying, thank you for always being our happy gal. We need you to be our happy gal now more than ever. You know, yeah, and in this new environment where she feels a little precarious, like her parents are fighting with each other a bit more, her dad doesn't pay attention to her as much, he's always having to get on the phone and talk to clients and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's almost more of a need for her to be happy, yeah, to help hold things together, yeah. almost, yeah, you know, and so, um, she. Kind of sections off her sadness and tries not to feel it. I and think joy not... does the same thing inside the head, right? Right. Yeah. She draws a circle and she says, "Sadness, don't leave this circle." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. And as you know, like, like, like Freud would say, like, whatever is being, uh, pathologically repressed is gonna start, you know, uh. <clears throat> Uh, manifesting Popping itself out. in other ways, you know. Yeah. Um, when she's put in a box, you know, all of a sudden sadness starts doing weird stuff that even she doesn't understand. She starts touching the core memories and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 So there's the um.
1: I think the mom saying that is not inappropriate. You know, it's not like child abuse or anything, but it's not the it's not that good.
0: Right. I'm just saying her mom wasn't being uh she wasn't. She wasn't chiding her. She wasn't chastising her. Yeah. She wasn't telling her she was doing anything bad. Yeah. It was an unthoughtful kind of comment. Yeah. You yeah, know? Totally. But it was well spirit. It was well spirited.
1: Yeah. Of fine spirit. Good sound. Good hearted. <sighs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so so that's the f- main I think that's kind of the main connection um that I made. Here maybe one more. Yeah. This is um so obviously they can't this is my like critique mm-hmm. like one of my critiques. It's yeah. not that much of a critique, but um I think in that type of uh like when you're trying not to feel something, yeah. you know. I think anxiety plays a big role in that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's feeling fear makes her feel ang- or feeling sadness makes her feel anxiety. Yeah. So it's almost her sadness. Usually sadness is like a wave that comes and goes. Right. You just feel really sad. Start to feel sad. Then you feel really sad, really sad, really sad. And then less sad, less sad. Right.
1: Yeah. And it
0: naturally kind of washes over you and um, and you let it flow and then you let it go. Yeah. You know, as my wife would say, mm-hmm. she's very wise. That's one of her emotional um singings uh-huh. about sadness. Oh, um, let it flow and let it go. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but um, when the wave starts to build, there's this anxiety response mm-hmm. that that prevents you from going through the regular process of just feeling the sadness, right? Yeah. It's almost like it tries to build and then it gets interrupted, yeah. and then it tries to build and then it gets interrupted. Yeah. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. If you wanted to nuance the way the film was doing it more, there would be almost like a weird love triangle between... Not love triangle, but like a triangle between uh, uh, joy, Mm. uh, sadness, and fear. Yeah. Like, fear would be the one that is interrupting sadness Uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah, because I did notice that um, joy uh has her own like emotions and yeah. one of them is like worry right towards sadness right and so i see what you're saying if you could get i mean that's basically fear i'm just saying
0: that it's not a fight between sadness and happiness yeah it's like fear it's like anxiety preventing sadness i yeah. i feel like it'd be the ang- it'd be the fear that's preventing the sadness from manifesting itself yeah you know yeah Um, so that's my second thing. Yeah. Um, and then I
1: have a comment on that. Yeah. Comment. Um, so that's, that's a lot of what mindfulness is trying to do is to, um, not take away uncomfortable emotions like sadness, but to not make them worse right by blocking them or fighting them and i like to let it flow and let it go cuz that's a very mindfulness kind of uh saying because mindfulness would say you let the sadness come and you let it hang out and as long as it wants and then but also you don't hold on to it right then you let it go neither
0: rejecting nor shoot nor a,
1: embracing or yeah. whatever yeah there's
0: a, there's a uh, there's a phrase in Siddhartha i read Siddhartha a while back by, oh yeah, uh, Herman Hesse, I think. Yeah, and yeah, there's a phrase they say. I forget exactly, but it's like yeah, neither yeah, rejecting because nor nor pursuing or something like that.
1: Because when you move to a new place, it's normal to feel sad. You miss you miss your hometown, and uh, but if we if we don't accept and just let ourselves experience the sadness, we can be afraid of the sadness, mm. and then we can be you know frustrated or guilty about our fear about our sadness Mm -hmm. and we can be you know and so we unnecessarily complicate um it and make and make it worse than it Mm. needs to be Mm -hmm. carl jung talks about two kinds of suffering one he calls pure suffering and the other uh kind i forget what he calls but the idea is it's unnecessary Mm -hmm. suffering Mm -hmm. pure suffering is suffering that is unavoidable. It's part of being a human. Right. You know? But that the unnecessary suffering is when you're struggling with pure suffering. You don't accept it. Mm-hmm. You don't let yourself experience it.
0: I've heard people use the word pain to refer to, like, like the inevitable. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Like, that type of thing. Yeah. Like, sp- meaning, like, the suffering is, like, rejecting the pain or, like, make, struggling against it and making it worse or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But... That being said it it seems like that's not that's not the only thing going on here. Mm. there i think I think inside out it does go a little bit deeper than that, right in being cast out of headquarters. I think there is something mm. that it's trying to do there
0: mm. yeah, um I would say, yeah i I haven't thought about the cast out of headquarters thing too much. Yeah. But I guess I would say... It's best not
1: to think about it too much. (laughs)
0: But I... But... Yeah, exactly. Like I said, you don't... That's maybe something you could overinterpret. But I would say that it's a... It is not a bad description of, like, depression. Yeah. Which is not just regular sadness. Yeah. Right? It's almost... It's something... It's something phenomenologically separate and distinct from regular sadness. Well,
1: and and I think... I think this was not intentional... But um, joy and sadness being being uh, kicked out into long term memory mm. uh, does seem to correlate with the this Jungian concept of uh, sometimes depression is a retreating of energy from the con- from consciousness to the unconscious mm. to um, to then reformulate to bring about a, a rebirth mm-hmm. that then comes back into consciousness right
0: right you know yeah i think
1: good... that's i think that was accidental right but but yeah it could be kind of seen that way
0: yeah if you but, squint but i would also say that um uh it's it's a good um like metaphor for like the phenomenology of depression oh yeah because people talk about when people describe depression it's almost you can't you can't feel happiness but also you can't really feel sadness that well either yeah you know it's like a numbness or an emptiness like anxiety still seems to be around people get agitated there's a lot there can be kind of anger and And discuss you know but like it seems like happiness and sadness those two seem to get really muted you know oh yeah and I guess people you know email us and let us know if you feel like that's a good description you know of it I I I relate to that I feel like there's been a couple points in my life where I probably was like almost like technically diagnosably depressed you know I mean you know
1: when I've been depressed one of my pastimes has been describing depression right in dramatic, you know, right ways, and some of those ways is, you know, it doesn't feel like sadness. It feels like death. It mm-hmm. feels like heaviness. Mm-hmm. It feels like, um, it feels like the the personality has disappeared.
0: Yeah. Oh shoot. It yeah. feels like it, which
1: totally lines up with the uh, islands of her personality crumbling. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and that would be like lack of lack of motivation or the things that you that once you know interested you and and made you happy no longer Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. um yeah there was another one i forget oh a, a sense that the world no longer holds possibilities yeah you know yeah and so they say the opposite of happy is sad but the opposite of depression is vitality and life.
0: Mm, yeah. Ooh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Who says that?
1: I heard it on, on Being. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear that episode on uh, depression?
0: I've heard one episode on depression. Yeah, yeah. About people giving each other foot massages.
1: Yeah. Well, and th- that very this very much lines up with Riley's experience. And that's another example of it being genius because her externally, um, what we see is depression, and it feels real. Mm-hmm. And it correlates with these things that are happening inside that also have their own internal logic that feels like it, like it works. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. So, um, yeah, so the solution <laughs> for Riley is... Mourning is for her to mourn yep. for the loss of the the loss of her old life, you know? Yep. Um I have in the past felt something like like had some big blow to my like plans or like self understanding or whatever. Yeah. Um and felt really depressed about it and then had an experience, a cathartic experience of sadness, mm-hmm. and then felt better. Yeah, I, I relate with that. Yeah, like I seem to remember in my master's degree, my master's program, like everything was set up for the summer. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, great, we have we're financially kind of in a good place for the summer, and it's going to look like this, this, and this, and I'm going to be able to do this research and work with this person, all this kind of stuff. And then we like took the car into like because it was acting up, and they're like four grand, mm-hmm. and I, and it felt. I felt instantly depressed. Yeah. Like the second I heard it, it was like yeah. I couldn't get off the couch like the rest of the day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and uh, and um, you know, eventually, I like you know had a good cry. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then kind of picked myself up and kept going. You know, yeah. but the way that I analyzed that was what happened with that four thousand dollar like car thing was i was being i was deprived of uh of the future that i was projecting myself towards you know yeah the, i was i understood myself in terms of like what was going to happen in the future and all of a sudden that whole world of the future that i was living for collapsed yeah. in, and in itself yeah and i needed to rebuild and yeah. you know, I need to figure out like what else I'm, what I'm living for now or what, what is my future? I need to, to pick a different future, you yeah. know, yeah. like a different future because the old one was gone. It's gone. Yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of the way that I think about Riley. Like if you're trying to hold on to the past and not mourn and let yourself be sad about how it's gone, Yeah, you know, then, um, you know, it, that's, that's like, um, that's like, uh, abnormal mourning or like an inability to properly mourn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Freud has a term for it, but I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, You know, like aborted mourning or something. Yeah. Like
1: it's that. like it, what Riley needed to do was mourn, mm-hmm. but she, um, uh, there was this inner conflict where she was afraid of doing that. Right. And so instead of it being mourning, it turned into depression. hmm And then it was finally released into... And able to be mourning, right, right, yeah.
0: totally. Um, Just out of sh- sheer pressure. Mm. Well, she kind of brought herself to the edge. Yeah, and it was almost being out there on the edge. She's on the bus, about to get on the freeway. Yeah, you know, that kind of wakes her up to her situation. That's yeah. what's going on, on the outside. What's yeah. going on to the inside is that uh, joy and sadness finally get back to headquarters.
1: Yeah, you know? it, it, it's like the uh, perhaps the. Sadness that she's not letting herself feel is building up so much that the dam breaks, mm, you know, the dam breaks, which is uh, which is not how it's portrayed. Right. Internally. Right. But it, it's anyway, it kind of seems like that. Grief is an interesting
0: thing. Uh, she's it's funny that she she almost she almost goes to her parents like she's coming out of the closet yeah you know like she's kind of the closet she's like i have something to tell you yeah i feel very sad yeah i do not i'm not happy i've been acting like i'm happy but i'm not happy i'm very sad you know i miss minnesota yeah yeah that's great um i would uh i I also i just read i read one thing in prepping for this that kind of pointed out something interesting that like I don't know. They were using the film as a lens on kind of like American happiness culture. That mm-hmm. Like we're a culture that says like you put a smile on, you need to be happy all the time. If you're not happy, there's something wrong or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, like those kind of cultural critiques, I'm not super interested in to do on this show. Just because yeah. I don't know anything about them. Yeah. Um, but they, but I thought they pointed out, the author pointed out that um, sadness has potentially creative It has creative potential. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's all sorts of authors um, who are a little melancholy, you know, and who kind of use that as fuel for creativity. Yeah. You know? Or or also, you know, like, it's kind of... I almost think of it like creative destruction, like Mm -hmm. a little letting go of something that's gone in the past. Like, it's almost like you're clearing space for something new to grow in the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, the the
1: movie, and talk just talking about it with you, it makes me reflect on sadness um, and uh, as a necessary, inevitable result of valuing things. Mm. Because oh, yeah. if you value something, then when it's there, you're happy, and when it's not there, you're sad. And if you weren't sad when it wasn't there, then... Uh,
0: the only way you to don't not value it, the only way to not be sad about it
1: is to not about value. losing
0: it is to not care about it. Yeah, is to hold yourself back from life. Yeah, I'm not going to care about anything too much because if I do care about something, then I then I'll be sad when I lose it.
1: And so that's why it's not it's not just like that we need sadness. It's that sadness is part of the deal, mm. and it's worth it. Mm. You know, if you want to be someone who cares about things, mm, yeah, sadness is part of that, mm-hmm. and uh,
0: those thing is caring about something in the positive, but not having the same, yeah, you know, experience in the yeah in the when, but not having sadness when you lose it or whatever. In fact, yeah. I would just just one more thing, just to pull in a little a little philosophy reference. There's a, a ph- phenomenological philosopher named Martin Heidegger, mm-hmm. and he would describe <laughs> Um, emotionality, emotions as a form of he would he would put that under the heading of care. He would mm-hmm. say emotions are part of how we care about the world. I was, care meaning meaning um, are like involved in not necessarily saying like he would say, you know, it's not just like care like you're taking care of a plant. You know, it's like giving a damn about the world. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I read a book recently that made this interesting distinction. Uh, that I'm still chewing on, but that emotions are about um, values, uh, whereas moods are just like the weather. Mm. They're just like storms that come. They don't. They don't have. They're not referencing any values. They just come over you, mm. kind yeah. of a thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, so people would. Um, yeah. So um, you uh, know, discuss emo- like emotion- think of all
1: the emotions, right? Right. Fear is about, oh, no, I hope this thing isn't taken away from me. Sadness mm-hmm. is, oh, no, it was taken away, and I liked that. Joy, you know, disgust, mm. anger. It's all in reference to something that we care
0: about. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah. So this was an episode that I feel like I, I went down a bunch of rabbit holes in trying to prepare for. Yeah. And I actually spent a little bit of time, like, reading about the philosophy of motion, mm-hmm. you know? And that is a debate that comes up in emotions about whether emotions inevitably have an object or not, like, yeah. a, or you could say a subject. Like the 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 emotion is always about something, yeah. and that's one of the way that people distinguish regular emotions or or affects yeah. you know, from moods. Is that moods don't have a specific object. Yeah, yeah. And and there's debate. Some people want to say no, they do, but the object is everything at the same time.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. but other
0: one, other people want to say no they are an affect without an object. they have no object at all I mean functionally, it's the same thing right it's, yeah it's just it's almost the it's, yeah it's the it's the tinted glasses you're wearing that are that are it's the way you're seeing everything you know it's the way yeah. you're experiencing everything versus emotions being angry at someone being sad about something being yeah. anxious about a specific thing you know yeah there that's the difference yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah cool. Um, uh, anything else about Riley, about the Riley stuff?
1: Um, well, I have other thoughts. Yeah.
0: On all of it. Oh yeah. Go. So that's all, that's all I have. I have, have. (laughs) I have like maybe two little nitpicky critiques that, that I want to say about like what I think that is misleading about the depiction they have about emotions in the mind and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but and we we can get to that last. So why don't you sure. do whatever you're going to do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, I'm going to start with some nitpicky critiques. Yeah. There's there's one uh part that I dislike. Mm. About this movie, it makes me roll my eyes, mm. and I was wondering if you could guess what that part is.
0: Um, um, I don't know. I can't guess.
1: It's uh, the at the table, uh, the dinner table, and uh-huh. we get a glimpse into mom's uh, characters in her head and dad's characters in his head. Right. And it's just for for a movie that takes so much care. In showing the complexity of this little girl's psyche, right? They they like regress mm-hmm. to uh, caricature tropes, right? Caricatures that are kind of offensive, kind of sexist. Yeah, uh, you know, against men that men are these uncaring, unthoughtful, unattuned people
0: out uh, uh, Tuned out, uh, playing sports reruns in their head. Yeah. You know, while other people are talking.
1: And like, uh, that view women as inscrutable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, that women are the ones who are on top of... When it comes to the domestic sphere or emotions or whatever, they're like on top of things. Right. You know? And it doesn't even really fit with the rules of the world because... Uh they're in Mom's head, they're all women.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: Dad's head, they're all men, right. Whereas in uh, Riley's head Riley's head, they're different genders and different colors and things. Right. And uh so all of like all of those offenses for jokes, I think I think the jokes probably hit home a lot with a lot of people who
0: the joke is funny. Yeah. The joke is... I mean, you're right, though. It's totally men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But I can imagine, actually, a lot of people laughing because there probably is truth. There is truth to it. Sure. Um, that's my... The one part that I didn't uh, quite like. Um, but, yeah, o- overall... <clears throat> um, I think... Uh, th- they probably did the best job that I can uh, that I that I can imagine this this kind of m- a movie doing. Right. But there's obvious hazards there. Um, you know, if you were to make an adventure in inside the human body, like Osmosis Jones, for example. Yeah. You know, uh, you accept that. Uh, you know, not everything that you show in there is gonna be like scientifically accurate. Yeah. And uh, uh, when it comes to depth psychology, mm. uh, the the metaphor of organs is actually pretty good mm. because they view they view the psyche as having different uh, parts mm-hmm. that have different functions very similar to how the body has organs that has different functions right. and so they show these these parts along the way mm-hmm. um, but really they're not trying to teach about those parts right. just like in osmosis Jones they're not trying to teach about the liver or whatever part they're in yeah Um they're just trying to say I
0: love the, we're talking about Osmosis Jones. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I
1: haven't. I don't even really remember that much from it. Um, <laughs> but, um, but they just kind of make nods to these uh, these things. I'm that just we, gonna
0: pause for a second and just say, you might be hearing a sound in the background. Oh yeah, that's the sound of a sewing machine in the other room. And I would open the door and shout to my wife to stop sewing.
1: How dare
0: you. But, <laughs> uh, she heard me say that. But shes I'm assuming she's sewing masks? Uh, I was about to, but right now I'm sewing uh, using a sweater that I have. So if you have problems with hearing that, a sewing machine in the background, then that means you hate humanity. Send us an
1: email and we'll send you our personal address and you can come over here and tell her to her face.
0: Send us your email and we'll send you a picture of me giving you the middle finger. Whoa. Or even better yet, don't even send me the email. Just Google image search someone giving me the middle finger. Someone giving you No, that's what you would search. You'd search someone giving me <laughs> Oh yeah, that phrase. <laughs> okay, sorry. sorry should I well, stop? You should stop because also since you're not near a microphone, no one can hear what you're saying, Ashley. Well, you could just go back go back in and put my voice in. Also,
1: now that we know that you're not um sewing masks, it's like, come on.
0: I was about to. <laughs> I just wanted to fix my sweater first.
1: We have fun. We have fun.
0: We have fun. Okay, that was more of an aside than I meant it I to be. I
1: thought you were going to say um, you might be hearing a winged friend.
0: Oh, well, people are used to hearing Who, um, Of Oliver. course,
1: is our producer Oliver, ah. who's now a at, uh, atop my head. Did you
0: hear the baby crying a minute ago? A little bit.
1: Oh, I didn't. I blocked it out. A little girl.
0: She was scared.
1: Oh, fear. Fear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I gave you past me that green water bottle above yeah. your head? Yeah, I got it. <clears throat> Tell everybody how much you love me. I love my wife. <laughs> 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 Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <clears throat> Shout out to wives.
0: Yeah. Or husbands. So that was such an aside. Do you even remember what you were saying?
1: Um... Yeah, let me rewind. <laughs> um, <clears throat>
0: let's
1: talk about Osmosis Jones. Nailing it.
0: Yeah. Um, uh,
1: organs.
0: Yeah, in the head.
1: In the psyche. Oh, they're just making nods to these different parts, you know. But really, the different parts, like long-term memory, abstract thought, the train of thought, dreams, uh, the, the unconscious, um, they are not used in the story. Right, they're not a part of what Riley is going through. Right, you know, um, yeah. So it they, mean, they pl- it doesn't mean anything.
0: They, they play that, no role. That joy and sadness are wandering through long-term memory. That's Correct. not a metaphor for something. Yes. Right.
1: Right, Um, and so it's a little bit here nor there, whether you know it's accurate or not. And probably every school of psychology would have a different, a different way of dividing that up and a different take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know you don't want to critique too much, right? But I will say, um, the part. Uh, the parts that I found especially lacking um, in credibility.
0: We could call this part of the podcast beef sesh. Yeah, because this is the word. This is this is the part where we have beefs. Yes, but I would say there's there are little beefs. Yeah, like a miniature horse sized little beef.
1: I would say. If you want to, if you want to learn about things like dreams or the unconscious or long-term memory or whatever, definitely don't. Like this film is not going to teach you about it, right? Right. In fact, um, they they don't even really know what to do with dreams. Mm. Um, the version of dreams that uh, that's in this film, I think, pretty much no it's psychologist the nonsense. would it's agree, the nonsense. agree with. Yeah
0: the nonsense version of dreams well, right
1: well not even nonsense it's even more um dumb than that right right i mean i it's mean it's just the entertainment
0: no 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 their take on dreams is let's riff on common dreams that people have right right yeah cuz you looked at the the dream posters yeah you know like or like you know i go to school and then i'm not wearing pants mm-hmm. you know i'm falling from a tall height and being chased by something. Then they make references to all that stuff. Well, it, those classic kind of dreams. They
1: portray know? it as, um, like, a f- studio, a film studio. Yeah. And they a- and they actually do say there are a couple lines that imply that when when you're asleep, it's boring, and so you need something entertaining to keep the mind occupied. Mm, yeah. And. No psychologist or, you know, sleep researcher would say that. That's that's totally way too, um, dumb, (laughs) right? Um, so yeah, that that's one. And that's a mini beef. That's a mini beef. And like, you know, we could talk about what what I think dream, you know, what the depth psychology perspective is. But maybe that's another uh, another episode. Yeah, there might be another episode. Um, The other beef is the unconscious, which doesn't make sense. The portrayal of the unconscious is where... It's
0: a prison where they lock up killer clowns. They
1: portray it as um, where Riley's deepest fears are. But the the strange thing is, that's not unconscious.
0: Right. She knows. Right
1: what her fears are right if any i mean you could call it pre-conscious you know because it's not um it's maybe something that's uh she couldn't articulate right but she could recognize right definitely right so so no one misunderstands what the unconscious is is um the parts of our psyche that many psychologists believe exists that we have no knowledge of at all, zero knowledge of right you know And so if we were to take a peek into our unconscious, we would find things that seem completely alien to our whole self-concept hmm. you know
0: Well okay so let me just say <clears throat> the uh, um, the idea of unconscious, processes is pretty non-controversial in psychology yeah it's just the question is what's down there Freud's idea is that it's sex and aggression right you know the two drives theory um, Jung has ideas other people have ideas the psychoanalysts have all those ideas modern modern You know, uh, neuroscience researchers or cognitive psych folks want to talk about kind of just non-conscious processing. Like the version of reality that we're experiencing phenomenologically is a synthesis that has come about through a lot of under-the-surface processes that are going on. Yeah. That that, that That we have tests that seem to suggest that those are going on. Yeah. But we don't experience that. We're not experiencing all the ways that our brain is... Is processing and organizing the data and filtering this and filtering that and highlighting this um, before it comes into our conscious mind. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Anyway. Kind of the idea is um, things that we are aware of about ourselves, a lot of times they come from a place that we're not aware of. Mm. They are just appear mm. in our conscious mind and it's like well where did that come from it right. came from a it came from potentialities mm-hmm. that were not in our awareness
0: mm. i mean one a, one really good example of that would be the double mint gum mm-hmm. it's not double mint gum but what you know that gum jingle that mm-hmm. keeps coming to our mind yeah it's un, it's it's not it's unconscious it's subconscious right. Right. until it comes into her mind then it came out of nowhere right. right it's not in her consciousness but it exists in her mind as the a potential to be recalled you know sure
1: sure yeah um <laughs>
0: even that though that's a descriptive that's a descriptive definition of the unconscious it's descriptive in the unconscious is everything about our mind that is not presently conscious you right? can yeah you can so for example but... I'm gonna think of my fifth birthday right now. Oh, I'm remembering it. Before I remembered it was unconscious. Now it's conscious. I
1: yeah. would call that pre-conscious. Things that are accessible to the mind, I would not. I would not put in the category of unconscious. Well,
0: I mean, this is we're just quibbling over the definition, right? This right. that's I'm saying a descriptive, descriptively unconscious is anything that's not conscious right now. Right. 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 Yeah. Anything that's not in the stream of consciousness that we're experiencing.
1: Right. But I guess I'm saying. Um, that inaccessible. There's th- theories that, yeah, there's a part of us that's inaccessible to our conscious mind. Right, right, right. You know, uh, except through dreams.
0: So you but so your your mini beef is just that they don't, uh, they uh, they they don't do their their stuff, their unconscious thing is kind of just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make kind sense. of their dream, their dream thing is the same. It's just like they punted on that one. They're like, yeah. we're not going to try and figure that. We're just do <laughs> yeah, <it." Right>?
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, um, I think the the whole the general, um, a, a kind of approach to to the. Psyche, a person's psyche, is—I um, don't know—a good word for this. Maybe you do, Jared. But it's like the psyche is this um, this thing that's sitting there, waiting to be programmed by inputs. Hmm. At least, um, there uh, everything that is discovered in the psyche is. Populated by inputs from ex- from Riley's experiences. Anyway, this is a, this is another quibble because from a depth psychology perspective, they would say that um, you discover things from your life experiences. Also, you discover things from the inside. So mm-hmm. there's a self discovery. Right. So yeah, in so other this words, the a- unconscious is. is giving input.
0: Yeah, so that's a rationalism-empiricism dichotomy, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, strict empiricists want to say everything that's in the mind came through experience. Yeah. Rationalists want to say, no, we have inborn... Uh, 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 structures or programming or whatever that enables us to make sense of the world. So yeah. we have software built in. Yeah. And then the world comes into place. So, so, for example, an example of that would be Noam Chomsky. Mm-hmm. Noam Chomsky, he uses the metaphor of a language acquisition device. Yeah. Like we have some kind of program in our brain. Just using a dumb metaphor, mm-hmm. you know, that enables us. So we have software that enables us to learn languages. But you know what? So it's not just empiricism. It's not just, it, it's 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 an it's a brain that that has an an inbuilt, innate, native capacity to organize experience. Yeah. Acting on the input that comes in so that would be a rationalist perspective an empiricist perspective would be nope It's a blank slate tabula rasa, and we are just programmed by By um, by what we experience sure, but surely and you're saying you're saying you felt like the film was too empirical empiricist?
1: Yeah, it seemed like the the structure of the psyche they had set up was just waiting there Was sitting there waiting to be programmed, but you know what? like that's probably unfair because if for example there was a part 2 and we see Riley going through puberty surely there would be inputs from her hormones and and things that would not you know not be from external but would be internal right you know inputs and and instincts waking up and there would be some way of portraying
0: well, they do have some way at the end of the film, they get a new console and one of the buttons says, I think it says voice.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Okay. So that saves, that save fixes that for me. Um, yeah. But then the last thing is like, like we were saying, I, I was saying before, it's like, where is Riley?
0: Right, right.
1: Where is her, what we would call her ego? Right. You know, the, the person making decisions.
0: Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I have I had three mini beefs. Yeah. Um like I said, you can overinterpret the film and so a lot of people's like critiques are just kind of lame. It's just mm-hmm. like there's no trains in your in your head. Yeah. yeah. That's unrealistic. It's like, okay, well, you're dumb." Mm-hmm. You know. Um but <laughs> I think sometimes some of the things th- that it it could be uh some of the things are a little misleading and they kind of play into some of our modern misunderstandings and so I think it's worth commenting on some yeah. of those, right yeah so I think you're right the ego thing is is one of them right meaning um uh who is the actor yeah who is acting you know it's not the there's no there's no executive function you know to use like a cognitive psychology term you know like there's no decider in there you know it's just these little homunculi which
1: when you realize that anyway don't think about that too much because they'll make like it, it makes it seem so reductionistic that it's that it's almost a little disappointing it's like really like all our decisions are you know coming from emotions that are battling it out
0: right right well so maybe that's one of the places where you just just don't that's maybe that critique just breaks down because it's like yeah of course this is not how the mind works yeah you know but this is a this is a parable about your emotions and it's, so we're gonna anthropomorphize your emotions and highlight them
1: it's such a glaring omission that yeah you have to think like well obviously they know that there's a an executive function, but they they just made a decision. It would not, and it's probably right. It wouldn't be feasible to show Riley in her external life and also an inner executive Riley. It right. wouldn't
0: work story wise. Right, totally. Yeah. Here are my other two mini beefs. One you kind of mentioned, which is that in this story, and this this comes from the two psychologists that that they um that they they based the film on their work. Mm-hmm. Did you have did you have their names?
1: Um I did on that paper that I wrote notes on.
0: Yeah, me too. I had it too, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. Um and their point is like the emotions are the causes of the actions. Yeah. Which I think is wrong. Yeah. Um it makes the emotion seem like some kind of Uncaused cause or something, yeah. Like it's the thing that gets the ball rolling, yeah. You know, rather than you know emotions being about something, yeah. You know, um, emotions, yeah, being about about being reactions to things, or you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other and the other one is just that just. The film plays into this idea that that our emotions are some kind of discrete psychological entities, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that's right. I just yeah. think they are they they bleed into each other. I guess we you see some of that at the end when you have start to have these kind of emotionally complex emotions or uh, memories that pop up, yeah, happy and sad and blah blah blah, yeah. Um, but I just think there's a way of doing psychology research. That tries to treat the mind like a box that has a bunch of stuff in it Mm. and that we need to try and figure out how we can isolate each specific thing in the box, Mm. you know, and then study it and figure out what its properties are. And I just think that's silly. Mm. I just don't think it works that well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's... it's
1: As if you were uh, discovering, you know, new chemical compounds or something.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah, right. like discrete. Yeah. They're,
0: they're discrete. They're separable from one another. The, the chemical compounds are, you know, versus... they're like
1: a contextual.
0: Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Right. Um, and um, yeah, I just don't think that's an accurate way of describing what emotions are. And um, I don't want to describe a more adequate one right now because I'm getting tired. Uh huh. And because it's complicated. Um. I yeah. I
1: and it would be impossible to write in a screenplay.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's not a, that's not a good, crit- I mean, that's not even really a critique. That's yeah. because, of course, the, the that's conceit, a PSA. The conceit of the film or like the premise, you know, the premise of the film is just that, oh, let's, let's um, anthropomorphize emotions and isn't, won't that be kind of fun? But right. I'm just saying that, um, that, that, ties into a misleading way of thinking about our emotions. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine that the film wants to do that because it's a fine thing to do. Yeah. But um but I'm I'm not uh convinced that that it's 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 a mistake or it's problematic to forget Mm. That that's just a dumb metaphor, yeah, or um, or or a a metaphor that Inadequate. for a film or something, you know, yeah. But it's like it's almost like there's there's like schools of psychology, yeah, you know, that have forgotten that that's a metaphor, yeah. You know that it's a metaphor that that emotions are like discrete entities, you know, yeah. So and I mean,
1: they think they're all kind of almost doing math or chemistry or something, right? When they're yeah. dealing with emotions, yeah. When you yeah. shouldn't deal with emotions that way.
0: Yeah, um yeah, Jean-Paul Sartre has a has a critique of psychology where he says that they uh some psychologists uh are making what are the what does he say? He um he describes their approach to the mind as the illusion of substance, mm-hmm. viewing the mind as a substance, and then thoughts or emotions become little psychic entities that reside within consciousness. That's the term he uses, and he yeah. he thinks that's that's silly.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and like, yeah, on a, from a pragmatic, you know, standpoint, you don't if you're trying, you know, someone's experiencing emotions. You don't want to talk to like about the emotions. Right. You want to talk to the person.
0: And you want to talk about what the emotions are about? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, yeah what the, yeah what they're about rather yeah. than yeah. yeah Good. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah.
0: is my last thing. This is my last thing. Mm-hmm. My last thing. It's a small thing, and mm-hmm. that is, um, I love how <laughs> sadness talks to, shoot, what's his name? The imaginary friend. Oh bing yeah. Bing bong. Bing bong. How sadness talks to Bing bong, um, when Bing bong loses his magic mm-hmm. song powered
1: oh, rainbow.
0: Yeah. Uh, rocket ship...
1: Uh, Radio flyer. W- wagon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, sadness tries to distract Bing Bong. Or mm-hmm. no, sorry, not sadness. Joy, Joy tries to distract Bing Bong to get him to get over his sadness, but he's just immovable, you know? Yeah. And then sadness goes over and she... And, and, and talks to him about it and, like, explores the, how sad it is, mm-hmm. you know? I was. We were gonna oh, go on a trip clincher. to the. We were gonna go on a trip to the moon and that and like. Yeah, that must be really sad. You know, so good. I feel like that little scene is like one of. It's just an example of how to handle people's emotions. You know? Oh
1: yeah, totally.
0: Um, I remember when I was getting married. I, for some reason, I thought I was really mature. Yeah, you know, and like, oh, I'm kind of like an enlightened, like mature adult, you know, uh-huh. and uh, therefore I'm I'm gonna not make the mistakes that all of my friends have made when they were getting married, yeah. and then like within the first year, like Ashley and I basically had like every everybody loves Raymond, every like, <laughs> stereotypical fight that you could have, you know, yeah. and I was ex, I did the exact thing that yeah. people talk about about men trying to fix women's emotions, yeah. you know, um. Which is just funny looking back at it, you know. Uh But what I wound up, like, what works for me, you know, in in helping, you know, and trying to be a supportive, (coughs) you know, friend or husband, is when someone comes with, like, an emotion like that, is to try and do, like, mimic what sadness does with Bing Bong. Yeah. And just to, like... You know that is so damn sad. Yeah, it's so sad. You yeah. know, and and really dive into it with them. You know, instead of trying to talk about talk to them about how it's not sad or didn't look on the bright side. It's like so weird because you'd think that you'd want to make them feel happy. Yeah. But actually, you want to be sad with them or, or like yeah,
1: know. validate yeah their yeah, emotions totally. yeah. yeah yeah.
0: So anyway, that's my last thing. Anything else? No. Okay, guys, let us know what you think about that. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? How does it feel when you're depressed? Did we cover that well? Mm. Um, did we miss anything? Let us know and we will we will say, tell the world what you said we missed if we think it's good. Yeah. Let us know what you want us to cover. Here's how you reach out to us. We are on email. We are on email. Yeah. We got on it.
1: Hot, <laughs> hot new platform.
0: Yeah. Um, and our email is poppsychpod at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter, at Pop Psych Pod, Facebook, Pop PopPsychology. Let me take it
1: from here. Yeah. Music by Lindenfield, our good and great uh, friend in L.A., who's very talented. Edited by our brother Aaron. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We don't pay Aaron.
0: No, we don't.
1: No, he just, why does he do it? Why does he edit it for us?
0: He edits for us because he says, I'm going to have to listen to it anyway uh-huh because he, ha- he has because be he's our labor. brother yeah. yeah and so he's like i might as well edit it while i'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> so I, nice. I i
1: i had the idea that to pay to compensate aaron uh for his labors we should put an easter egg in for him which in the form of some kind of a joke oh yeah at the end you know yeah yeah
0: i don't have any jokes do you have any jokes what
1: about that joke about the pig
0: Oh, man. He oh, wait. Does, he, he already heard it. Heard it, it. Just a minute ago.
1: Okay, we can do it next time.
0: Okay, we'll do it next time. Okay, guys. Well, have a good night or day or morning or uh,
1: whatever time it is. If
0: you live under the ground where there's no night or day. Midday? It's constant darkness. Yeah. Good, happy that too. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Love you.
1: Love you.